Desperado, why don't you come to your senses? You've been out riding fences for so long now. Oh, you're a hard one, but I know that you've got your reasons. These things that are pleasing you can hurt you somehow Don't you draw the queen of diamonds, boy She'll beat you if she's able You know the queen of hearts is always your best bet Now it seems to me some fine things have been laid upon your table but you only want the ones that you can't get Desperado Oh, you ain't getting young Your pain and your hunger They're driving you home And freedom, oh freedom that's just some people talking. Your prison is walking through this world all alone. Don't your feet get cold in the wintertime? The sky won't snow and the sun won't shine. It's hard to tell the nighttime from the day.
Well, it, it, it's ever fun to, to have uh, these kind of things uh, pop up. Um, but uh, thank you guys for joining us now, uh, continuing to join us um, throughout the, the, I don't know, maybe 45 minutes as, as literally my dogs decide now is the time to speak. Um, uh, thank you guys for joining us on our Facebook page, our YouTube page, uh, the North South Connection. Um, producer Tim, joined by uh, Ryan Gray. Um, and we'll have other people from the NOSO as well jumping in and and um, remembering Bray Wyatt and Terry Funk. Um, it's it's kind of crazy that uh, all of this is happening. But uh, first and foremost, Ryan, how are you? I'm all right, Tim. Uh, I'm doing good. You know, it, it sucks why we're here, but we're here, of course. So uh, that's right. It's kind of weird, really. It's you know, it's weird having two, you know, two historically important guys. You know, for the latter years, Funk, of course, what right. 73, 74 years old, lived a long life. So you're kind of looking at two different scenarios here for two decorated guys. So it's just like you got Funk, who had a what 40, 50 year career, pretty much. Yeah. Um, in and out, did a lot of things, never really called anywhere home necessarily, but was the right. ultimate gypsy. Uh, just a career unlike anyone else, fit in wherever he fit in, set the bar wherever he landed, and just really just crushed it in and out wherever. And then you have Bray Wyatt, a product of the WWE, son of a the son of IRS, um, just pretty much from the WWE, from their system built up. Uh, repackaged, redelivered, and just, I don't know, reinventing himself left and right. It's just uh, its just a weird scenario with kind of two just legendary guys. And so it's kind of weird to kind of pick one and go with one, but right. I don't know. It's, it's, and luckily, it's, it's kind of weird. It's somber. Yeah, luckily we don't have to. And, and guys, as you join us on, on whatever your social media platform of choice is, whether it's or your streaming platform of choice, whether it's Facebook or YouTube, feel free to jump in the comments. We can display those on air. We can we can converse with one another um, as we, we go along with this thing. So um, you kind of mentioned it, Terry Funk being the, the gypsy, the nomad, uh, a, a man who... Um, kind of went by his own beat, so to speak. Um, and he always kind of looked out for himself in a certain way while also taking care of business inside the ring. And Bray Wyatt is similar in a kindred spirit to that. Um, he, he took everything that he did um, very passionately. Um, whether the reports yeah. outside of the ring are true, you can at least tell from the quality of work Um that he put into uh, what we saw on screen from uh, SummerSlam 2013 until literally just not that long ago, uh, right after Extreme Rules. And then uh, moving forward from there, um, Bray Wyatt uh, liked to be the, uh, the orchestra director of his own story. His narrative is... Uh, narrative not necessarily being the like the narrative is a buzzword in wrestling but um uh fiend lore and, and bray wyatt lore is a big thing and um it's really him that kind of like he was one of the first people in like the modern era of wrestling to want to create this story that for his character and himself outside of the ring that where Anything in the ring was secondary, honestly. Um, and it's all the backstory that you wanted to follow. And now you've got guys like Malachi Black over in AEW, um, Swerve Strickland to a certain degree. Um, these people who want to build their build their their actual in-ring persona with stuff not in the ring. Um, and being very meticulous about what's what's said and what's done and how things are presented. Um there, it's 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 very good. It's very easy to say that I think with both of these individuals, both Bray Wyatt and Terry Funk, that uh, it's going to be hard to find others like them. Um, the the mold was definitely broken uh, for yeah, both yeah. of these two. They're very uh, 
unique guys and different aspects of themselves, but there's not really doppelgangers of the, these guys. They're kind of one-on-ones in a way, if you think about it. You know, you can right. see examples there where we kind of talked about Terry being a gypsy and Bray being a creation and how you talked about how he's so like, it's, he's so like meta or whatever he caring about so much, but really that is a good word. Yeah. What I found so kind of warming about Bray the last really 24 hours is just how beloved he was like how, like as a, like as a big football guy, football coach, football ex football player, or whatnot. Like just how, how he was like the ultimate locker room guy. It seemed like it seemed like he just brought joy to everyone when he was in the locker room or in you know in the back, not necessarily in ring. He just seemed like a genuinely awesome guy. You know, it's, I don't think I heard it one per, bad one person say one bad thing about him. He's the ultimate team player, the ultimate ultimate dude, really. Yeah, I mean, you look at uh, you. You mentioned the the belovedness of of uh, of Bray as we're getting some uh, other familiar faces jumping in for us. Um, yeah, we can throw them in if you want. We'll, we'll bring them in as well. We've got uh, Rossi and Rocco from uh, Clotheslines and Headlines days. Uh, yeah. An impromptu uh, reunion. An imp- <laughs> uh, boys, I'm sad we're, we're meeting like this, but uh, I'm glad that uh, we've got each other to, to work through this and and talk stuff out. Rocco, Rossi, how you doing? Good. I mean, it's always a thing, right? When you go to a funeral of a friend and you see some people you haven't seen in a long time, right? So it's uh, apropos to have this kind it of is. reunion. It is. Um, but uh, Ryan had just mentioned that the one thing that's kind of warmed his heart over the last you know 24 hours is just seeing the the outpouring of love that uh, that's been showered on Bray um, across the entire footprint landscape of, of professional wrestling. I mean, I've, I've got I literally sat through during the the tribute show for SmackDown that just closed not but maybe five minutes ago. Um, I went through and and literally pulled every Twitter post or it is not Twitter it Twix I'm not calling it X, um, but every post that was that was made by anyone who is in the world of of wrestling um, about both Terry and Bray and like you know uh, Dax from FTR life ain't beautiful words useless never forget your laugh um, rest in peace uh, Wyndham and jealous you get to be with Brody. Like, uh, like even the that whole part of it too, that, you don't that you kind of realize after the, after the fact too. Well, seeing Eric yeah. Rowan, seeing Eric Rowan on stage was very, uh, interesting to, uh, see a man who lost two of his closest friends in wrestling and within a couple of years. Yeah. yeah I feel there's, bad um, for that guy. I feel like he deserves a, a run somewhere so he doesn't have to only be on TVs when, when he loses a friend, you know? Right. For sure. Um, I would think too, like outside of wrestling. I mean, Funk, you know, had a long career going back to like, uh, 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 the movie he made with Stallone in the '70s. But like, even Bray Wyatt was doing a lot of stuff with Tom Savini and uh, involved right. in film too. So I'm going to assume that there was stuff about. I did see like Vanessa Hudgens was saying something on SmackDown. <laughs> so uh, both these, she's I mean, one of us, guys. What? <laughs> I mean, they really do have a lot of parallels in terms of Texas father a wrestler, brother a wrestler, like super right. creative did exactly what they wanted to do in their mm-hmm. art form. They didn't, they did what they did and what they did was why they were over. It wasn't manufactured. It wasn't like trying to get a Roman Reigns over for 10 years. It was literally just, this is who I am. And they got over and they were just over wherever they went. I mean, and it's just, it's really interesting. And unfortunately one person was at the end of their life. One person was kind of just in the beginning of their life. Yeah. And that's really sad, but the parallels are very uh, interesting, but they, they both were wrestlers that had like, they elicited empathy, especially Bray in his most recent run. You know, like, right. like they were both very empathetic. Terry Funk could make you believe his eye was getting destroyed in, for fucking 40 years. Like, oh he still believed God. it every time, man. And like, right. yeah, like, and with Funk, nothing was fake. You know, like everything seemed real. And that's, the, that's you know, good wrestlers make you care, right? They make you believe in like right. what the possibilities are for wrestling, for your, for life. And both those guys really did it. And it's really insane that the, that happened within two days, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. Rossi, I'll come to you here in a second, but there's a couple words you mentioned of 
of um, both of them having it's a word that kind of popped into my mind as you were speaking there, Rocco, and that's um, neither Terry Funk nor Bray Wyatt compromised on what they thought was um, best for for their characters and for for what they can produce inside the ring. I mean, there's I mean, obviously, we have the famous Terry Funk story of him literally telling Vince, hey, my horse, I, my horse is sick. I think it's going to die. I'm going to leave and just boom. April to the 86. Just peace. Gone. Also- like, I don't care. I got a horse. That horse is probably fine. That horse is probably still good or glue somewhere. Who knows? But even Bray, like there's stories of Bray where like being unhappy creatively and hearing like whether it's true or not. And like it, it's all hearsay. None of us are in the room when it happened. Um, But Bray having the vision of where he wanted things to go, obviously with uh, the McMahon stirring his hand in the pot and changing the story a little bit. Bray's like, you know what? Uh-uh, I don't want to do this. And like kind of like walking away. And so like Rossi, what, what's your thoughts on, uh, on the old Funker and uh, Bray Wyatt? And I'll, I'll throw some uh, tweets on the background as you go. Yeah. I mean, it's, it was good that they were able to involve Cody with the, with the funk tribute tonight. Um, my, my biggest, like the thing that hit me like late last night, cause you're, you're like mourning over Bray and, it makes you for me forgot for a couple hours that Terry Funk had just gone too. You know what I mean? Yeah. So what I what I really appreciated about this show is they didn't neglect Terry Funk as part of, you know, obviously a much more impacting moment to their current day roster. And I thought that that was really cool because I don't think that this will be the first time we or the only time we get Bray remembrance stuff like I'm sure they give people a shot on Raw too to like say their piece, like that weren't involved with the show tonight too, you know. So, um, the overall thing, like as I just finished SmackDown, um, I was a couple minutes behind, mm-hmm, but same. the line, the line that resonated with me was during one of the videos was uh, a Bray promo when he said, "I'm the red in a sea of black and white." I. We're the same guy, Rossi. As soon as I heard that, I remembered that exact promo. And like that's exactly right. This is exactly yeah. right. And it, it brought me back to last year when we were, you know, obs- I was obsessed with this white rabbit stuff, right? Because oh it was such a, a breath of fresh air from what we were getting in wrestling at that point. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we can talk about like the delivery of it and what happened after that till we're blue in the face. But I remember that extreme rules main event the entire time I'm watching Riddle and Rollins, like, okay, what's happening with Bray? Is he involved with this? Is it after? Um, we had a raw, we had a SmackDown in Worcester that was the go home for that the night before, and I remember being completely bummed out that they didn't cut the lights and play the um, what was it, Jefferson Starship? Is that who it was? Yeah, yeah was I was so 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 bummed that we didn't get that there because I thought that was just gonna that was such a cool thing. Yeah, to I see. want to experience that live too. Yeah, all the videos yeah. and shit that was going around. So um, the first thing I watched back when I like last sat in front of a TV last night was that, that return. Um, it just kind of encapsulated everything and like felt like it brought Bray back to us after he was gone for a while, which is he did, but it's just, now it's like the parallels with that and like everything that's happened with him versus what happened with Brody. It's all so similar. It's all so mysterious um, with how, you know, everything happened so fast with these two guys and the, the only the the biggest thing that I've I've held together here over the last twenty four hours was, hey, they're they're back together again, and and it's just so strange how two guys that were gonna forever be connected to us as wrestling fans had had such a similar situation unfold in their last couple days um, or last couple months, whatever it was, um, as these guys were, and and my heart to Rocco's point, my heart broke when I saw. Redbeard, I'm out there. Like, I'm so happy <laughs> that they. I'm so happy they that they brought him in. I'm so happy that Braun came in because those are guys that you know they're really stewing and sitting at home is probably the worst thing for them. And 
mm-hmm. you know, I always, I always think about these guys having daughters of my own. That's the first thing I think of was how many kids does this guy have? Um, and that's the part that stings with me and the Rollins part, the Rollins little video I put out today really yeah, I saw that. with me as well. Um, mm-hmm. because he said that, um, he thought about going to SmackDown, but he remembered being on a phone call with, with Bray shortly after Brody passed. And one of the things that Bray said to him that still sticks with him is go kiss that little girl because he had just had the baby with Becky. So, Mm -hmm. um, that was, that was chilling to me because I just think of that and Rocco, I'm sure that if you heard that, that felt the same to you, man. Yeah, I'm literally on the couch with my two month old son and my wife and just thinking like, not that I'm the provider that I'm thinking Bray Wyatt was, but it's just like, you know, you know, that is a, yeah, very heartbreaking. Yeah. But just like the, the parallels, I remember being in Providence when the Husky Harris character got punted into Bray Wyatt. When you think about it and so many like moment, like manias I went to that he was a part of, like this was, this was one that stung because I feel like we, we were there for his entire career. You know, we can't Mm -hmm. say that about some of the other people that have passed, you know? It's a, you, when you mentioned the red and black, uh, red in the world of black and white, it, it makes me think of like why I like wrestling. And it's not necessarily like I know, I know, like, you know, it's since he passed away, like a lot of the people who may have been criticizing him and stuff like that will, you know, back off a little bit. But that is a major part of his career was the wrestling nerds com- uh, complaining about certain aspects of his wrestling and all this stuff. But it's like to me, he's everything wrestling is, you know, like, mm-hmm. like I said, like a turn of phrase, a scowl, like. A uh, subversive gesture, um, the, the, an intro. Like an intro is all I need sometimes to make a guy my favorite wrestler. You know, like I'm a dude. You know, and that's what he did in a lot of ways. That it just is so much pro wrestling with that one thing. You know, right? And um, just being sorry, just just being subversive yeah, and being successful as a subversive act is fascinating for Terry Funk as well. Like you said doing whatever you want. He said, Funk said no to Vince twice. He, he said no to one night stand. He said, fuck off. I'll go hang out in Philly, my boys. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but like being subversive and being a counterculture character that is popular. And when Bray first came out, there wasn't a lot of guys that were just weird. And like, and I think that's the thing that Vince doesn't really get, never really got the idea of not just having wrestling for that little period where Bray was there. I think he just came at the wrong period. You know, like right. it just didn't line up with what was needed to do to have these big kind of stories. And, I don't know. When you see Bray, for me, it's like, like intellect can be confused. Seeing a match and be like, that wasn't a great match or that angle didn't make sense. I don't give a fuck about that. Your emotions don't lie to you. And when something hits you, it, it's important. And it's, it's, it makes why we, it's why we watch wrestling, right? And he right. did that way more than a lot of people have. That what might be considered more of a, a darling in terms of a wrestling guy, right? For like sure. a wrestler. Wrestler's a wrestler kind of guy. Right. There's a there's an old uh, marketing principle that I remember from my time in college, which was that, that we could have another discussion on like college and a waste of money. But um, uh, there's a marketing principle called Sysomo, which is the mixture of sight, sound and emotion and how all three of those were the, the first two triggers, the third. And Bray Wyatt is a master class on that. Um he there's a the old timers talk about you know the the ass per 18 inch ratio of guys where it's like ah can they put a can they put an ass every 18 inches you know bray maybe wasn't the box office draw per se and like sold out big stadiums but i bet his eyeballs per minute was off the charts because people go to wrestling shows, people watch pay-per-views, and they're on their phones, and they're doing anything else. But when the lights went out, your eyes were glued mm-hmm. to Bray. Period. That's a good point. And the and arena. Even, you, you could feel the yeah. arena. You could feel a sense of, like, frisson in the arena just when he comes out. Kind of the same as Funk, again, parallels. But, yeah, like, this, the, you can and, feel it. It's tingly. Like, you can see it from the TV. I've never even seen the dude live. I mean, you guys have, but... Yeah, and I yeah, actually yeah. never I never saw Bray live either, and I'm I'm sad about it, but Ryan, go ahead. He was very buzz generating, you know, even back to the white rabbit stuff, back to your point where he grabs your attention. I've you know, I've been fortunate enough to see him many a times live. Even recently in his last run, I believe the one of the go homes to the Royal Rumble, 
It was in Providence, and I'm glad I went now. And uh, I was able to see him live after his return. And for, I mean, actually, I was there live for his last match, too. And uh, we knew it was kind of, to be kind, kind of a shit show. But we were assertive right away. It was coming off of the men's rumble. Cody and Gunther just had that epic moment. Uh, we, the buzz in the place was at a peak. And as soon as his interest hit, poof, everyone got right back up to that level and was locked in. And, of course, he had the smoke and the mirrors and whatnot of everything, but that awesome song that you were playing earlier was 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 rocking, and, uh, you know, it was a spectacle, his entrance. Unfortunately, you know, the bell had to ring, and the lights went out, on you know, no pun intended, and it was what it was, but he was, you know, he, he just generated buzz. He was he was a highlighter, you know what I mean? He was just... It, he had whatever it is he had it and the, the music you mentioned too right right like how his, the, his themes on. all three of his main things were all very like cool very like interesting but like mm-hmm. very like like dichotomous yeah huh? they were purposeful they all yeah had yeah right like and they did like to him and i like that like it's funny like once again terry funk desperado is not your normal wrestling come out song right exactly Ray wyatt's first yeah, uh, Bray Wyatt's first song is not the typical song. A guy who's like a crazy serial killer dude, or whatever, yeah. you know, whatever he's supposed to be. Broken out, broken out in love. Yeah, and then what happens? He comes back. He's got that crazy fucking uh, vicious theme that he had when he was the fiend. And then this- the remix, the remix, or the re the the um the cover of Broken Out in Love, essentially. Right, um, and that was just fucking. That was heavy, and I love that. And then yeah, then the new one. It's like it's really cool, and it's. Once again, like you're saying, right? It's like it really it was fit his character perfectly and evolved with him and was part of like what made that guy have it. Yeah, it seemed like a guy that really cared so much about how he was presented. Um, even though some of it was wacky and it might not have resonated with every viewer that was watching, he wanted it to be a certain way and he got his way or it wasn't on TV. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and but to the point that you were talking about, Tim, with the uh with like the eight every 18 inches. Um, I remember when, you know, WWE was first coming to Fox with SmackDown and they would play like these video packages during like Sunday football commercials. And you see all these faces roll through and then you see the fiend. Right. And you're like, if I wasn't a wrestling fan and I was watching that, <laughs> that's the guy I would want to tune in to see. Cause I was like, what the hell is that? You know, he just didn't fit with everybody else that was in the graphics. So, it was always, even even the even the no fan era of 2020 with COVID, he was the guy that a lot of his segments were just different. You know what I mean? He found a way to make it happen. I mean, even to the Firefly Funhouse match, like what I still to this day like can watch that and get something new out of it. And I probably watched it 30 times at this point. You know, so there was such a gift that this guy had with just his appearance and how he put his segments together with whoever was helping him do it or whatever, that it's just always going to resonate with us as fans as some of the most memorable moments of this era of pro wrestling, you know? And just having something different on the show was great. Instead of just having some 15 minute match with a commercial in the middle, after a guy jumps over the top rope and they sit in a headlock for the live crowd, like what he did, even if it didn't always make sense and connect, like it was different. And it gave me real, it gave me pro wrestling shit on a show that sometimes would get a little stale with just pro wrestling, if you know what I mean. But like, there was a sense of like a like verisimilitude, verisimilitude, however you pronounce that word. Of like, he definitely seemed like he believed every fucking thing he ever did on that show. And mm-hmm. once again, Terry Funk the same way. Like, as crazy as shit got, especially when he came back. But like, he really, there was not that idea of a guy phoning it in, in any way. But like you mentioned about the mask, Mike, I remember like my friend had young kids and my kids, my friend's kids were terrified of fucking Bray Wyatt. Like, and to have a dude be scared of someone nowadays, like I was scared of Abdul the fucking butcher as a kid or Kamala. Mm -hmm. That's fucking cool. Right. Um, you, you guys mentioned uh, like all, all of the things that you had brought up are, are all so, so poignant. Um, and I had, I had my thought, um, Oh, talking about how like when the fiend when the fiend debuted, like seeing him on the Fox commercials, is eye opening. I'm not sure about I don't know about you guys, um, in your your personal like your in flesh friends, uh, how many of them are actually wrestling fans, 
I, I tend to be one of the the few of my friend group that still watches this fake stuff. But when The Fiend debuted at SummerSlam. That was awesome. And like I had friends who like people who knew me asking me, what's this Fiend guy? And every week they're asking me all this stuff and I'm sending them the links to the Firefly Funhouse. And I'm like, yo, watch this. And like if Bray, if Bray Wyatt were have been in any other field besides wrestling, he could have easily taken this fiend character, licensed it out and made a killing in movies and like Netflix series is like the fiend is the fiend is something it, it, it it's captivating beyond the depth. It, it, it's cool beyond wrestling. Like it's not just it's not cool for wrestling. It's cool. And like, that's why, you know, you have the Tom Savini masks that are going for big bucks. And you had the, the Savini made custom title that what did that go for? $1,500 a pop on WWE shop or something. It was, it was, it was, it was a, it was a King's ransom because every single belt was custom made. Um, and it was a limited edition print, I think, for the title. But um, I don't want to make it all too much about Bray because, you know, we do have Terry Funk as well. And I, before, um, we, before we jump to Terry, I'm just kind of glad that Bray got that in Philly last year. And I, right. I'm glad he was able to, the following SmackDown, deliver a promo from Wyndham Rotundo and pretty much just said, you know, when I was at my lowest, I, I was hopeless and. Uh, and whatnot, and then to know that you guys cared, I was able. I'm just glad that he was able to feel that acceptance from the fan, and that you know because this was kind of his vision coming to life a little bit. And unfortunately for him, we didn't fully get it, or or it got you know nicked in the iron, and we didn't fully get what he was envisioning. But I'm glad that he got the satisfaction of the of the love of what he returned. So um, I, I know I'm sure that meant a lot to him. And I'm and I'm happy for him for getting that. That was one for, of the sure. realest wrestling segments I remember of the last few years, right? Yeah, he's um, the biggest gimmick ever. <laughs> yeah, and and like for that moment, you know, at the type of wrestling fan I am, there's times that you know something like that would annoy me, like you're breaking character on TV. That's weird. But for him, it was like a return, and it just felt right and. Everything he said, like, is almost eerie now. I, I rewatched that last night, and it really just kind of punches you in the gut when you listen to that back. It's cool. Like you said, it's very cool we got to have that. Not everyone gets to have that kind of moment. You know, like, life life always has an unhappy ending for everybody. But uh, it's about having those big, important moments in the middle that make it worth living. And that's, you know, you got to see a guy kind of have that really cool moment that, you know, who knows? Who knows what was – who know what that did for someone that – you know, maybe how much he might have needed that, right? And you know, it's uh, in a cynical world of wrestling, it's it's interesting. It's great that that kind of happened. And maybe he shouldn't have been in wrestling, like you said. Maybe he should have just went and made movies, right? Especially if you find, um, as as a person, he you 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 could tell from his the 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 very brief interactions he put out on social media, like he definitely took pride of ownership. And he 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 is a type of person who's like, if I am not creatively fulfilled, I am not happy. And like all he wanted was his vision to, to come to fruition. Right. And that's that's it's 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 very interesting. You know, have somebody who's passionate, who sticks to their guns. And um, it's a it's a flame that burned bright and burned quick in, in the world of Bray Wyatt and. Um, luckily for him, he he got his he got a lot of flowers while he was still here, um, and he'll continue to get those uh, uh, after uh, at, long after he's gone. Um, when did LA Knight start looking like the Wolverine? By the way, yeah, I'm here for that. <laughs> I'm 100 on the LA Knight train. At, I will always be at, on the Knight train. After Uncle Howdy jumped jumped on top of him at the Rumble. Oh, <laughs> poor Uncle Howdy. Talk about, uh, but, you know, we can jump to uh, Terry, but, I'm, you know, I'm just, uh, it's just unfortunate that that stuff happened back to back. You know, you, you like, like you're talking about guys getting their flowers or whatnot. 
you feel like we we weren't even over Teddy. You know, I mean Terry. We weren't even over Terry. We were still listening. I was still listening. I was like, oh, I can't wait to listen to Meltzer on Terry because you know one of his closest friends in the industry. And I barely got that before about before Bray hit. It's just. It's, I- I, it's funny you mention that. I think about Dave and how miserable he must be in the UK right now. Um, because if you know Meltzer at all, he's a very much a creature of habit. And when things turn one way, that messes up what he has planned. And he didn't have an, uh, an issue planned this week. But, I mean, he this is a guy that would go to a Mania weekend and fly home before Mania. So he didn't, so he could focus on the show and not have to, watch it back again before he wrote about it. Um, this guy's carpent, um, compartmentalizing this stuff. Terry happens, Bray happens, and he's on a fucking plane to the UK trying to, you think he's going to be in a right state of mind when he's trying to do the show on Sunday? It's, it's crazy how we're in the midst of one of the biggest wrestling shows ever, whether we're AEW fans or not. The fact that they're running a show with 80,000 people is, is a big deal nobody's talked about it the last couple of days. And that just shows the impact that these two guys had on the industry. Yeah. That's a, it was something I was having, I was uh, having a conversation with a couple of buddies of mine on uh, one of their podcasts um, on Facebook, three count Thursday. And, um, you know, not just looking like for the, for the time we've been here on Facebook and YouTube and thank you guys for joining us. Um, Everything we've looked very microscopically at Terry and at, at Bray. But then if you peel it out, this kind of week in wrestling is a week that like wrestling historians like Dave Meltzer and Bill Apter and and everybody are like, this is a red letter week. You know, you have a living legend in Terry Funk who passes away and you have a legend in his own time in Bray Wyatt who passes away, you know regardless of how you feel. And then you've got, you know, what some maybe hyperbolically, maybe not saying the biggest wrestling event of all time, the biggest wrestling event in the last 30 years, Um, going back to Wembley stadium on the hundredth anniversary of Wembley stadium uh, with AEW nonetheless, and and, and drawing 80,000 plus and 70,000 tickets of that was sold without a single match being announced. Um, and so, so like just this week as a whole, the, the seven day period uh, can, can be very, very memorable. Um, when you, when you look at like other weeks of wrestling history across the board. Um, but one thing that you can kind of tie between Terry and, and Bray while Bray was, was young, I mean, he's a, he was a year younger than me. Uh, and uh, he, he is that second generation superstar, right? He has the connective tissue to the Wyndham family and the Rotunda family. Um, it was Barry and Blackjack Mulligan. And, and so Bray had a very, very old soul, old spirit. Um, that that renegade outlaw type spirit that Terry Funk really put into work, like put into put into place. Right there, the the future of wrestling. There's probably going to be a lot of wrestlers who are going to aspire to try to be Bray Wyatt. Like kids coming up now, going to wrestling schools now, they're going to want to be Bray Wyatt. But there's guys now wrestling now who. You think of guys like John Moxley, guys like Eddie Kingston, who are, are are kind of like the closest we have to the second comings or the not second comings, but like the inspired people of Terry Funk. And while you have wrestler or wrestlers who aspire to be like Shawn Michaels or Bret Hart or whatever, the people who are like Terry Funk don't talk about being like Terry Funk. They just do funk stuff, right? And they 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 kind of make everything feel real. They they ground wrestling. Where Bray puts you in the world of fantasy and and sucked you into the black hole of his creativity. Terry Funk 
took everything and put it on the page and, and made it feel like concrete right in front of you. And you can touch it and you can smell it and you can taste it. Um, what kind of memories or thoughts you have? Because I'm not sure ages of everybody, but I don't know how many people actually lived through like Terry's heyday. But I'm, I'm sure all of us are, are wrestling nerds and we've gone back and watched uh, Terry across the years. But uh, Ryan, we'll go with you. Well, of course, live, the only time that I was really only able to watch Terry was uh, as Chainsaw Charlie, of course, in my, when I was a teenager. Right. Uh, I'm, I'm sure Rocco has vibrant memories of Terry and ECW. I, I've gone back and watched that. Him winning that three-way dance was amazing. Um, but going back, my favorite uh, really funk moment is probably the feud with Flair in 89. That, uh, in that, what, that clash match from November. I don't know, clash 8, 9, 10, 11-ish or whatever. Um, just no, that's that's the, like the gold standard of a fucking match right there. Gold I mean, that's standard. like a feud. That's like a whole year. Ending Steamboat going right into Funk. Funk been away forever. Well, not forever, but Funk going away doing movies for a while, and then kind of coming back as a judge and having that great angle after the Steamboat match with Flair. And then winding and then up in JTEX with fucking that Udo. Like, that's the greatest tag team fucking of all time if you like fucking yes, badass sir. motherfuckers, right? With Gary Hart on the outside and like the fucking Thunderdome match. You got Bruno San Martino in a match with Terry Funk. Like that 1989, I got to watch that live as a 10-year-old, 13-year-old boy. And I just was in my fucking, I was loving that shit. But yeah, sorry, Ryan. I just got no, absolutely. I, you can talk more about it me. I'm going back in history. You had it, you have that live aspect. But anyways, from uh, even even him. What, isn't he the one that suggested the Mick Foley that, to get thrown off the cage? <laughs> or, so he had something to do with it. With Foley, it's like, well, Sean and Undertaker set the bar so so high at Bad Blood. What are they, they're gonna have to throw me off the cage? Well, well, Mick, why don't they? <laughs> or whatever he did, you know, you know what I mean? So it's just, and then he loses his shoe, or yeah, then he comes out and gets choke slammed out of his shoe. Loses his shoe. He's just, and then he made it in two thousand six. When ECW restarted for the, for, on Sci-Fi, right? He had that awesome match with Buell McGillicuddy and Tommy Dreamer versus Edge and Foley and Lita. That uh, match was awesome. That, that was match so, was so, awesome. It funk, so fucking, fun. Fucking ruled. But anyways, if you want to go down a funk rabbit hole, I would suggest strongly to go to Chad Campbell's Twitter pages. He put out a match for each year of Terry Funk's career, dating back to the 70s. I don't think he had any from the 60s, but I think I, he might have. But anyways, 40 years of matches from Terry Funk. Check out Chad Campbell, I think, with the big boy, WCW with the big boys play. It, or you got I think it's big that. boys. Uh, I think it's big boys play WCW. Yeah. But either way, you, you, I can get in, you know, and to tie this all in a bow, I, I, I can uh, I can post a video of Chad dancing the Braves theme at Royal Rumble as I was sitting next to him. <laughs> well, Tim, like you're saying, like, like this is a big deal with AEW. And like the AEW thing is like, it's a five-year story. Like, if, the, if it was a movie, it would, the movie would end with All In starting on Sunday, right? Like, these dudes did this crazy thing as a whatever. We all know the fucking story. But, like, that's a, it's a major thing that's happening on Sunday. It's a fucking massive event. But think of all the shit, like, Funk was there for in terms of, like, ECW pay-per-view, right? Fucking mm-hmm. hell in a cell he was there for. The 1989 year of WCW, which is probably the great, one of the greatest years of wrestling history for one company. King of the Deathmatch tournament, one of the most popular tapes. Every motherfucker had that tape, that bootleg. That bootleg was, was it sold 93, like Rocco? Uh, 94, I believe. But and if you if you didn't have that, you absolutely had Strangle Mania, right? <laughs> yeah, dude. Uh, Terry, uh, dr- drunk Terry Flunk, and Cactus Sack. But speaking of that, FMW's greatest years were with Terry Funk. He helped make Gladiator, Tanaka, Hayabusa. His match with Onita in the Exploding Barbar Deathmatch yeah. is probably the only deathmatch that'll make you cry. It does to me. These are just massive things in wrestling history. Uh, his All Japan shit in the 70s with like uh, Jumbo Sharuda and Andre and all that crazy shit. Like, there's a, not a dude he hasn't, a uh, Sabu Barbed Wire match, my favorite match of all time, just about like. And then he's in the attitude era of fucking WWF. <laughs> he shows up, he's at a WrestleMania, he gets DX over more than anyone else had at that point, makes mm-hmm. Cactus Jack a legitimate, like, he helped ground the violence of. The attitude error at that point because it the, the cartoonish aspect of wwf was like once he shows up you know it's like real shit 
Like I, you could just name all these things he was a part of. So like Hogan's big opponent in in '86 on Saturday Night's Main Event. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah? Yes, yeah, fuck yeah. I mean, think about his a classic match with Moondog uh, Spot at the Wrestling Classic. Uh, <laughs> and like just uh, literally going through Chad's Twitter postings and like seeing all of these matches that like I know. Like right now, I've stopped on the Empty Arena match. Oh, oh that too. Yeah, with yeah. him and Jerry Lawler. Like that's classic stuff. Like it's it it's and that time. match I think I think that match itself is in full on YouTube. Like you can go and watch that craziness like at any point. Like you that's watch the Lala entrance, it's unbelievable. Yeah, he's in full regalia. <laughs> it's crazy. And then they ran um, it back they ran it back like eight years ago. It it uh for Waller's uh, promotion that he had in the South. Yeah. Like and fucking Terry Funk's cutting fucking kayfabe promos on Jerry Waller's podcast, calling him a piece of shit. Uh, right. The guy was incredible. Like like I said before, the verisimilitude of this guy, everything seemed fucking real, dude. And he just had so much credibility. He never had to get over. He was just over since like '74. Like yeah, he there was, was no in Puerto Rico with Martel. Yeah, oh, yeah Puerto Rico with Martel. Bruiser Brody, so, Terry and Dory with, Funk versus the Road LB. Warriors in '87 in Puerto Rico. Yeah, like, there's not much this dude hasn't done that's just part of it. Like I said earlier, before you guys were here, he was the ultimate gypsy. He really was. Once again, he's what wrestling was supposed to be, right? Like, that's what wrestling is. A real dude who punches people in the fucking face and travels around and does it for a living. And then Lee's also a guy who said he was the first actor to join SAG, if I'm not mistaken, and get health insurance. So whenever Mm -hmm. he would leave and do a movie, it was because your SAG, uh, your benefits run out if you don't make uh, something after a certain period of time. So he would just leave, make a movie, and then he has full health benefits for his wife and his family that he cared so much about. He's a fucking genius. And, you know, sometimes the forever stuff and the retiring stuff with him gets maybe scoffed at by younger people, but he was in on all the shit. He was in on the joke. Don't think you're smarter than Terry Funk. The guy was fucking sharp as a tack and right. knew what he was fucking doing. It is a motherfucker right there. Uh, I know. This is the, the Funk ma- uh, the Funk Flair match in 89. Okay. Um, but... Uh, even when Funk wasn't even making movies, he or like on screen when he when he stopped being on screen, he then became stunt coordinator yeah, for five, movies, right? and he started pulling wrestle his wrestling guys in to be in the movies. So it's like, just like um, Cody, because Rossi, you watched SmackDown, so did so did Ryan. Mm-hmm. Um, Cody talking about how uh, talking about the rub uh, and how. Terry would reach down and grab his hand for everybody and pull them up to his level. It won't just wrestling. It was everywhere. It was, it was with this, with SAG and, and with wrestling. And even like, um, there's a personal story that, um, my, uh, one of my friends, uh, Joe Sposto, former Leonard F. Chikarson of, of Chikara, um, told about, uh, Terry near the end of, the end of his not even his run but like in his twilight years he he made an appearance at an indie in um an indian ohio uh absolute intense wrestling and he was just coming in to do like a one shot like not even a one shot but like he was there as like the legend guest and he was gonna come out and he's gonna oh oh hey everybody and that's it no he decides he's going to start a concession stand brawl with Eddie Kingston and borderline throw a pot of boiling hot dogs in a crock pot on Eddie Kingston's manager. And Terry shoot DDT's Eddie Kingston on the floor. It, it like 60 somethings, like, like, like early 70s. He DDTs King on the floor and King King gets DDTed and turns to Terry and goes, you OK? <laughs> like like that's that's the respect but that's terry like terry's not gonna go out there he's not trying to like terry was never trying to make the buck right it, it was never easy for him like going back to the story with ryan what ryan was talking about with the hell in the cell match like terry goes and gets choke slammed out of his boots why is he getting choke slammed out of his boots because he, he's giving mick an extra minute and a half to get his druthers together after getting rocked. <laughs> get his tooth out of his nose. <laughs> right. Like, Mick didn't know whether he was coming or going, and Terry's like, all right, here we go. And, <laughs> like, just in in through all of it. So, 
Um, Rossi, what you got on uh, the Dirty Old Funker? So the story that I remember hearing, um, I don't remember how long ago. It's probably been a while now, but Foley told the story one time. It might have even been during one of his live shows. Um, but he told this story about how they were in Corpus Christi, Texas. And <laughs> Funk got stabbed by a fan. Um, he's, he was working heel, um, pissed someone off, guy stabbed them. So then they get backstage and they clean him up and they ask him, are you going to sue this guy? And he goes, why would I, why would I press charges against somebody who just paid me the ultimate compliment as a heel? Um, <laughs> and that kind of just told you who Terry Funk was, right? Um, my, and then I can't think of Terry Funk at this point without thinking about beyond the mat either, um, <laughs> with Dennis Stamp and. He really wanted Dennis Stamp to be his referee for his retirement match with Bret Hart, right? And that was in 99. Book, Terry. Yeah, I think he had his last match in 2017. Um, so that just shows that this guy was just on the never-ending retirement tour. Um, I heard someone once compare him to Kiss. He's like the Kiss of professional wrestling. He'll never give it up, even though he's going to say he's going to. Um, the, the guy just has, like I think of that, that one-night stand 06 that Ryan referenced. Just knowing that it was such a pain in the ass to probably get him in for that set, that moment, that it was so cool to just be able to watch it. And obviously all that ECW nostalgia was going at that point, too. And the Forever promo, you've probably watched a million times. Um, there's just so many different areas to go with this guy. How over-the-top ridiculous the Chainsaw Charlie character was. And he just made it work. The guy's wrestling with pantyhose over his head, and it just worked, and you still feared him. Um, the bump he took with Foley inside that dumpster, um, with the new age outlaws, like I legitimately thought they were dead. Um, just so many different things that I think about, like me personally remembering with him. And now as I go back and, and we, you know, I think I covered a Cronoso match that he did, um, with the, with that fucking branding iron. That was probably a hot branding iron at the same time. Um, the guy just was such an influential person on like the deathmatch scene. If that guy wasn't doing death matches still in the 90s, I don't know if they are what they are today, which, you know, one can argue that they're probably as more prevalent now as they've ever been. Um, Foley and Funk are the two flag bearers of that, right? So um, just guys that, a guy that I can say, I didn't watch all of his shit. It's impossible to, but definitely we'll be watching more of it. Um, And I've caught up a lot over the years and, you know, that clip that's playing right now with, uh, was that Dustin and, and him? Um, there's just so much content of him. Like, that's 2000 in WCW, right? Mm-hmm. I'm sure he's got some segments with fucking uh, Norman Smiley that are probably a riot, too. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So, um, there's just so much shit. And no matter what type of, of funk memory you want to watch, whether it's a silly one, whether it's a hardcore one, whether it's like a shoot, legitimate, good wrestling match, it's out there. So... If you're listening to this or watching this and you, you haven't really had history with Terry Funk, just sit down and put a show on, and he's probably on it if it's in the 80s, right? Um, and, you know, follow along with that. And, and this guy's got so many key moments to look back on. But, I mean, the influence that he had over wrestlers to this day is is astounding. And, like, also, like, the idea of, like, he was a heel that would have like you know people say like Austin and Angle were able to be funny and still vicious heels when they were like in their time. But Funk was able to always have humor, but never lose the thread of I'm gonna fucking kick your ass. Mm-hmm. But he had such a way. But like this guy has so much respect that Vince McMahon let his world champion fight him on his retirement tour in 1997 in Texas <laughs> for Terry Funk's WrestleFest. Like that's how much respect this dude has. And like one of the and- best things. Sorry, and leave it up to them to determine who's going over. <laughs> yeah, that is the, the legend of that, right? The story yeah. goes is that both Terry and Brett are just like Mexican standoffing with one another saying, well, you're going over. No, you're going over. No, you're going over. And like Brett's like, it's your retirement. What do you do? Like, like you go over and Terry's like, but you're still the champ. What are you talking about? So it's just it's, it's, a, it's a great example of like any any art you're in, any group, any friendships, you should always leave something better than you found it, right? And mm-hmm. you cannot say that he did not leave wrestling better than he found it. Like as he tried, sure. like he tried his hardest to make it better. 
then he found it. And that seems like all the stories you're saying and all this stuff about just helping people out and like that story right there, right? Like he just, he didn't just, he wasn't just in it. He, he was in it for the love of it and to make some scratch, but yeah, of course. But that's just So that, that right there, I think is his last match, the one that's playing yeah. right now. Brian Christopher. Yeah. Big time, yeah. big time wrestling. Uh, September of 17, Terry Funk and the Rock and Rolls versus Brian Christopher, Doug Gilbert, and Jerry the Stupid King Lawler. I think it was in like South Carolina or something. Is that usually right. up here, big time wrestling? They they're all over we kind of go out east coast. They were supposed to run a show in Worcester actually this month, but they came last. Actually, it was supposed to be September, whatever the Friday that SmackDown's in um, Boston. That's why they canceled it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. We, we showed a little bit of Chad's Twitter thread there on Terry Funk. I would easily go check that out. But as we wind out here, guys, uh, if I can go around and ask maybe one match for each guy you would recommend to kind of seek out, as what match would you remember each guy for, or what match for each guy which kind of you kind of hold close to your heart or whatever? Rocco, let's start with you, buddy. Uh, for Bray, you got to go with the, uh, the six man. Uh, you know, one of the last, one of my last times that I thought WWF was just really yeah, firing on all cylinders with a thing. When six guys are in a ring and the crowd's losing their fucking mind the before they touch. That, uh, Extreme Rules versus the Wyatts? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, that, isn't there like another one on like a main event that's really interesting? But that's the, that's the one that's like the one, right? Like that's something that people do for Hogan and Brock, right? They, they yeah. fucking chant and lose their shit for minutes before, but that... And for Terry, I got to go Sabu Barbar match is one of my favorite matches. Once again, a match that can, like, his, I mean, Sabu's my all-time favorite wrestler. Terry Funk's right up there. But Terry Funk is the guy doing the work of making you care about this man and his battle to win the title and to protect his title. And that match is just, it's an epic thing that you could show to anyone. But Onita is a close second because that match is just incredible. Once again, storytelling in. What'd you say? You said 93, is it 93 the one you're talking about? I believe right? it's 93, yeah. It's Bar Bar. Uh, it's the one that the Moxley match was modeled after. And it's just such mm-hmm. a beautiful match with a great story. And that's the thing a little that's... bit better than Kingston and Mox. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, right? But yeah, that's another one. Those two are just like the ones that are my favorite. But And uh, yeah, I could just keep naming shit. But yeah, those you are the ones. They go all day. These guys are right up your alley. Rossi? So Funk, I got to say, uh, barely legal 97 when he wins the ECW title. Um, he has the match with what was Sandman and um, Stevie Richards to get the mm-hmm. title shot against Raven later. You know, next match. Um, a lot of people think that's the match that legitimized ECW because it really put the put the belt on Funk and just kind of really helped them kind of take off from there. Right? They were hot already, but that really took them to the next level. Um, and just looking back at that entire thing, like this guy. I mean, 97, he looked like an old guy, right? And he was getting through this, and it was just such a... old guy at 86. Yeah, it was just such a cool, like, moment for him and for ECW. just made everything seem bigger. And Bray, I got to go with, the like I said before, the Firefight Funhouse match. I feel like that encompassed Bray Wyatt to, to a degree. Like, I'm sure these two guys had this elaborate mania match set up in their heads, and obviously that could shut down like two, three weeks prior and they have to put this together. And like, I think someone had mentioned like that was when Jim Carlo from GCW or whether he still is or not, but when he was with WWE, he was uh, a fly in the wall with that. Mm -hmm. Um, There's just, and then watching it back, like I remember watching that on my couch and like, what the fuck did I just watch? You know, but it it was was so, it it was so Bray Wyatt and so many things come of that. Like, seen her in the nwo shirt like now there's action figures with that which are just so ridiculous um everything about that was just so so beautiful and watching it back now it just it, it hits even more so um i just think you know there's a lot of like legitimately good bray wyatt matches out there but that's the one that i feel like tells you the bray wyatt story the best Toolman. uh for terry funk i gotta go iquit new york knockout him and uh, Ric Flair. That's it's a perfect match. Um, you know, I don't always agree with Dave Meltzer, but he got one right with that one. Uh, five stars with a bullet. You could add six, seven, however many you want to do. Tokyo Dome or not. Uh, that I'll always, I'll always have that in high regard for Terry. 
Um, for Bray, I'm going to go a little off of what Rocco said, but SummerSlam 15, uh, Dean and Roman versus Seth, or Dean and Roman versus Bray and Harper. Um, like a less than 11 minute tag sprint. Roman, Roman and Bray were like Peter Griffin and the chicken. They just, um, they just always at odds. I mean, I remember the Bray Wyatt promos of anyone but you, Roman. I still think that even then, like, there's still meat on the bone with that. And unfortunately, that's going to be left unresolved. Um, but I'm, I'm always, always going to remember the time Bray and Roman teamed up. And as Bray went for the pin, Roman goes to the spear and Bray shoots the gun in, in the spear. Uh, that was, I so think it was perfect. on a raw. I think it was on a raw. Um, was that a was that a raw or was that a survivor series? That might have been a survivor series match too. I have to think, but it's one of those it's a, it's one of the only times they ever team together. But his back turned to Roman does the does the gun like in the like, pin, he sees timing. the guy getting speared, but he he knows he just knows Roman's back there and just perfect timing. Um absolutely perfect, but uh Ryan what you got? He kind of stole my my favorite Funker match, but there's so many. I'm going to go with kind of his, just his aura, his debut, his character in 85, 86. You know, they plant him in the WWF where it's a land of giants, a land of character, and he feels like the biggest motherfucker, baddest motherfucker with his Brandon Iron there. Uh, even his debut where Bell Phillips puts his hat on his head because he's running out of hands and he just absolutely freaks out and destroys Mel Phillips for 10 seconds or for 10 minutes for putting his disrespecting his cowboy hat. You go to Tony Gurria in the bar a few months later where Tony Gurria is talking to a chick and Funk goes nuts and kicks his ass. Just Terry Funk's vibe in 85, 86 WWF, just putting him in that cartoon rock of wrestling era and him just sticking out and just accelerating and, and making everything feel real that he's there. So I won't give you a match. I'll kind of give you a little, a little kumbaya to his time in the WWF. That's really forgotten about in a way too, because it's he has so many peaks. But uh, my my mom hated Terry Funk because her favorite wrestler was Tony Gurria, and we were watching that. And she <laughs> fucking hated him. She was a. I was like, I hate Terry Funk because my mom hates Terry Funk. I was like nine years old when that happened. I remember being yeah, she hated his guts. I love that. I love <laughs> forget that. That's that. That's awesome. That whatever I see that, I'm gonna think of that. And uh, for Bray, I'll I'll go. Probably Brian at the Rumble. I would. I was gonna go Firefly Funhouse, but uh, just because that just a, a capsulation of what really Bray Wyatt is. But I'm gonna go Brian at the uh, at the Rumble is probably his best match. And then you know, kind of kudos to the Fiend in the Strat match with Brian too. Brian was his peanut butter to his jelly for sure in the WWF. Yeah. Uh, going back before we get out of here, uh, Raw, uh, April 11th. Oh, it was the date April 11th, 2016. Bray Wyatt and Roman Reigns versus uh, known dick Alberto Del Rio and Sheamus. Jesus. Uh, Roman, Roman's world champion running the gauntlet against the League of Booty. Um, Who would have known? You know, all, Bray seems to be like, what ifs? What if he didn't get hurt at the, after the night after WrestleMania 32 with the Wyatt's turned babyface? You know, what that could have right. been a what if, too. That what, was, if, what if Goldberg never came back and fucking had that bullshit with uh, Bray, right? <laughs> Because well, no one else would even, have had that happen, right? Even before him. that, what if that Seth Rollins cage match or nope. cell was was booked with <laughs> any sort of sense? Normal. Like I'm not even asking for a not what, a blow up sledgehammer or whatever the hell they a the craftsman toolbox. Yeah, they pretty much killed the guy in, in the middle of the, the match. Stops. Ugh. but anyways, whatever. What yeah. if, guys? Let's not end on a, on a sad note. <laughs> Tim, thank you for kind of throwing this together for us. And of course, off. man. And and I guess the one big takeaway is, you know, um, beyond everything, you know, um, life is two sides of a coin, right? We have the long, full life we were able to, to enjoy and experience with Terry Funk on one side of it and the uh, quick and fast uh, supernova type of experience we had with Bray Wyatt. But at the end of the day, they're still the same coin, right? Um, and that And that's life. Um, if anything, um, just remember to kiss your homies. Don't be afraid to tell somebody you love them. Uh, regardless, uh, love you boys. And uh, be sure to follow us everywhere you can, can for uh, North South Connection, northsouthconnection.com. 
Uh, if you're watching this on Facebook, keep watching on Facebook. If you're if you're on YouTube, subscribe, ring the bell, tell somebody tell somebody to listen to what the heck we got going on. We got content out the wazoo uh, for all eras of wrestling, everything that you can think of. A lot of stuff on the down the pike you don't even know about. It's exciting. It's crazy. It's fun. Uh, Ryan, Rossi, Rocco, thank you guys for joining me. Uh, I'm producer Tim. And uh, we'll see you guys around the horn uh, back on the no-so. I can't hit the button. I got you.